Elections on Forge. Know your vote. Hello, I'm Callum Lee. Before we start today's roundtable discussion with the candidates for deliberation officer, I would like to point out that all candidates were invited to partake in today's podcast. However, unfortunately, not everyone could make it. Absent from the discussion is Harry Maddox, Lulu, Malachi Brandon and Rachel Griffiths. Secondly, I would like to apologise for any technical difficulties you may notice at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome, everyone. We're super excited to have you here. I'm Andrea Papa and Callum. Hi, I'm Rob. Bane. Oh, sorry. I was I was hoping Callum would introduce himself again. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. no, I lost audio again. Sorry. Rob's not <laughs> part of the team. <laughs> sorry. Uh, okay. Well, uh, until Callum gets his um, audio working, would everyone like to go in a row and and introduce themselves, your names and your pronouns, please. So, Ruben, you would go first. I think we we all have the same order of. No, books, I'm in. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. Oh, never mind. Okay. Well, I can go first though. I don't mind. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> hi. Hi. I'm Ruben. Uh, my pronouns are he they. I'm 24 years old and I'm studying for an MA in modern history. Thank you, Abigail. Um, yeah, my name is Abigail, or I prefer Abby, actually. I feel like Abigail's too oh. formal. Um, pronouns are <laughs> she, her. Of course. Um, and I'm in my final year doing sociology with social policy. Okay. Uh, Grace? Yeah, I'm Grace Cleary. I'm 23, pronouns she, her. I'm a third year studying archaeology, philosophy and religion, but I've been in Sheffield for five years as a student. So. Awesome. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Payne. I'm... Pronouns are he, him, and I'm studying fourth year M plan, urban studies and planning. Okay, so Callum, would you like to start off with the first question or should I go ahead? Go ahead so I can catch up where we are. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Okay, well, now you guys are all running for liberation officers, and that feels very exciting for all of you. But just, just like, Go ahead with a pretty hard-hitting question. If you all have the power to create the best possible university, but only three days to complete this change, what would you do first? Uh, let's go in the same order as before. Ruben, you go first. Ooh. I mean, how serious are you taking this? Um, my, uh, how days, serious do you want to take it? Yeah, my, my year abroad uh, university had a uh, pet-friendly campus, and so people were just allowed to bring in dogs um, and pets, regardless of if they were therapy animals, and that was always very, very entertaining. Um, so yeah, I think that would, <laughs> that would improve university life quite a bit. Um, Fair enough. What about you, Abigail? Um, I'm trying to think. Serious has been redefined by... Uh, that's what this this campaign. <laughs> so I think we would put a bullpen. I do like the idea about John's van, um, massive John's van. Um, but yeah, in my campaign, I would probably make the university more affordable. I think the estuary is way too overpriced uh, in the food outlets. I'd also make it more accessible. Um, yeah, and just make life a lot easier for liberation groups um, by unmanifesto points, which you can find on my socials. <laughs> little plug there <laughs> but what, what's the first thing you'd go for first thing this is the oh. first three days like first three the, days the, the first I thing think... you'd run to oh um 
I'm trying to think not for Baz's things now, uh, but a John's van, <laughs> a massive John's van. Make John's van an outlet in the issue. I'm taking it a step further. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. What about you, Grace? For me, it's got to be the hex ramp. It's one that's been bugging me from the get-go. It's too steep for wheelchairs, and I keep banging on about it in my campaign. It's it's such an easy fix. It can be done in yeah. three days, easily. Just get some builders in and fix the doors on the diamond. You can, a lot of the accessibility, accessibility issues in the campus can be fixed in three days, I'm convinced. They just need to get on and do it. Doable and straight to the point. I love yeah. it. What about you, Rob? I think it would have to be sacking the management team of the university from the vice chancellor downwards. The students know how to run the university a lot better than the people who's running it at the moment. Rob wants wants to do a coup. That's powerful. (laughs) Callum, do you want to ask the next question? Yes. So in in similar spirit, uh, my question is, what is a problem that you've identified over your time here at Sheffield? And if elected, how would you go about changing it? I imagine there might be some similar answers, but maybe a different one. Um, and we'll go in the same order. I'm not too sure what the order was. I do apologise. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> Ruben, you I go. I have memory issues. <laughs> um, so one of the issues I identified is the idea that um, disabilities are static. That someone with a disability has the same day every day and there's no fluctuation. So just improving the idea that you know, as disabled folk, we have good days, we have bad days, we have days where we can't get out of bed, we have days where we have to do our seminar reading lying down because we're in so much pain. Um, and then other days you'll see us and we're at Grapefruit and we're, you know, trying to outdance the undergraduates, which is a terrible idea. Don't do it. You'll be in a lot of pain the next day. Um, yes, they're just improving disability awareness on campus. Mm-hmm. What about you, Abby? Um, yeah, so I think so I've been here three years now um, and I represent a few liberation groups um, and I also feel it's not a liberation group on, on the in the description, but as a working class um, woman, um, first and foremost to go to university, I found it a bit sort of like one lens view for university and student life. Um, so I think that really needs changing um, we need a lot more um improvements just to make all the liberation groups for a lot more um accepted um and one of my uh, manifesto points is sort of having an inquiry into how diverse we are actually are as a university and in the staff makeup of that um i don't think our staff makeup is all all as inclusive as it could be um i think having a more diverse workforce would make the university more inclusive overall Mm. Thank you. What about you, Grace? Um, one of the big things that I've found while I've been here is tackling the stigma of laziness that comes with certain disabilities. Um, so almost like Ruben was saying, you know, sometimes with chronic pain, but also in terms of mental disability, there are days where you, you can't get out of bed. And even when you do turn up to a lecture, sometimes when you change medication, it can affect your memory, your concentration, your ability to just pay attention at all. And I've had conversations with lecturers saying, I've turned up, but I I can't focus on what's been happening. I need to revise the notes. Can you please put things online? And they're just saying, well, no, I don't know how to do that. I'm not doing it. Contact the department and say, please, can you do something? And they say, oh, well, they're just old. They're not doing that. You know, that's not going to change. And to be honest, I think that's kind of unacceptable and, and technically ableist because there's people who can't make lectures for, you know, medical appointments, 
bad days, feeling unwell, and when you do, it's still difficult to learn. But also digitizing resources will help every student. You know, every student has days where they can't concentrate or days where they can't turn up. So that's something that I really want to educate the university on and encourage lecturers to, to learn how to digitize resources. Thank you. Uh, what about you, Rob? I, I found um, university so discriminative, not towards myself. My department's brilliant. They've been so helpful with me in that, but talking to the students when I've been on other groups and things and, and from other courses, it's just so bad. The way people do not get support and things, it's especially, Abby's mentioned, if you're from a working class background, that's difficult. As Grace mentioned, disabilities, that's a big one. There needs to be more continuity between all the departments. Every, everyone's experience should be the same. Um, but some of the stories I've heard are really bad. And even now people are saying in this meeting how bad it is. I'm just fortunate. I'm from um, Urban Studies and Planning. And I can't praise them enough. They've been great. But I know other departments are not the same. So next question, everyone. <laughs> what is your strategy on building and sustaining your network to have the biggest impact possible? So this is all about connecting with other people that you know or from other departments. How can you further build your network? Uh, Ruben, can you go first, please? Can you repeat the question? My internet dropped out a little bit. Yes. Sorry about that. So what's your strategy on building and sustaining your network to have the biggest impact possible? Okay. So the first point in my, my manifesto and on my poster is about reaching out to the various liberation groups on campus. Uh, both the representative committees and the part-time officers and using your time as the full-time officer to be proactive, to reach out, to collaborate, to get in, to make sure that, so there's a BAME rep for it on the LGBTQ committee, for instance, making sure that they're in contact with the BAME committee in the run-up to say Black History Month in October. It's the, probably the first thing that comes around in terms of liberation groups. So making sure they're talking to each other, making sure that, you know, we're elevating queer black voices during Black History Month and vice versa during LGBTQ History Month in February. We're about to have International Women's Day, making sure that the uh, Women's Committee and the Women's Part-Time Officer are raising awareness of, you know, disabled women, uh, uh, BAME women, trans women, making sure that their voices are heard. Um, you know, we have to, as marginalized communities, we have we often have to like take our own space. You know, we have to demand spaces for ourselves, but we also also have to be aware that within those spaces, we also have to make space for other other communities. That, you know, yes, I am a queer trans person, but I'm also a disabled person, and I have to make sure that my identity as a disabled person is also being validated within queer circles. So just just making sure that all of the, the liberation groups are working together, fighting for each other, recognizing each other's struggles. Um, and yeah, just checking in with the part-time officers, the chairpersons, the various representative, uh, representatives on the committees throughout the year. So it was a very yeah. long answer. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you so much for answering. Um, let's switch it up a bit and go to Rob next. Hi, I'm, I'm quite similar to what Ruben said on my manifesto on that is collaboration. Um, I've had experience before where, um, sorry, I'm trying to remember what they are, the committees don't work together. And like Ruben says, they're not always represented accurately. Um, 
when I was chair of the table, uh, sorry, when I was chair of the mature student committee, I tried to make sure we had people, disabled person, um, an ethnic minority representative, all that. It's really difficult to get people involved. So beyond talking to the officers and the committees, it's reaching out to the students as well. Like um, I think I mentioned in manifesto, I think some students feel it's excluded from the groups, what represent them. So it's reaching out to them as well. And if possible, I'd like to reach out further in Sheffield University and collaborate with Hallam University as well. They face the same issues as us. They live in the same city. So it would be great to work together with Hallam to create one better city for everyone. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. What about you, Grace? Um, for me, I think imposter syndrome is quite a big thing that people in marginalised groups face because it's, you know, do you really belong in the community? You know, are, are you gay enough? Are you disabled enough? You know, there, there's always that. And one of my main policies is, is quite personal to me. It's for supporting LGBT plus students who aren't really sure of their identity. Um, so closeted and questioning students in particular, because having spoken to a lot of people, you know, there's there's a lot of people that at university are open about their sexuality and their gender identity and things, but then have to switch all that off and go back in the closet at home. And yeah, I just, I think it's so important to talk to people that aren't really sure which groups they identify with within Liberations. And the same with um, the disability, you know, help people get diagnosis and support that so that they can feel part of the community and then, you know, get involved in how to make that community better. So I think, yeah, that collaboration, that intersectionality is all such an important factor in this. Beautiful. And finally, Abby? Um, yeah, so I think COVID had a big impact on um, students' sort of voice in the SU. Um, I've been on a few committees and I've got friends who have been on other committees that have said that they've struggled, um, particularly mature students. I think, obviously, I don't want to say obviously, um, but... They, I know for a fact that they've had a lot of issues with um, getting a committee together and retaining that and then getting uh, mature students um, on the committee to, and to speak to them. Um, so I think a big part of my role, if I was elected, would be trying to sort of re-engage those groups and sort of ignite more passion and sort of inspire again, I think. Um, and a lot of that would be more funding um, to get these groups off the ground again. Um, and again, yeah, I think talked about imposter syndrome. I think I've had that as a bisexual woman, um, not in a sort of gay relationship. Oh, sorry. So, sorry, I'm muting okay. myself. So yeah, I was saying as a bisexual woman, imposter syndrome, sort of not feeling um sort of gay enough to represent gay people, um, and sort of trying to combat that, I think, a lot. Um and yeah, intersectionality again. Um yeah, I think a lot of it. I'd like to do so reignite um, the inspiration and student voice um, for these committees. Yeah, brilliant. All your answers have clearly been very thought out. Thank you so much for, you know, all the work you've put in. What's the next question, Callum? Uh, so that, that answer actually brings me on to my question. Um, throughout this week, I've heard multiple candidates across all positions mention how students aren't fully aware of the role of the issue. For example, only seeing it as like an entertainment venue. Uh, so my question would be, how would you further expose to students what the SU can offer them and rebuild engagement? And we'll start with Grace. Okay. Well, weirdly enough, I was out campaigning in Pop-Tarts last night, which was surprisingly brilliant for engagement. And I spoke to literally hundreds of people who didn't even know the SU officer elections were happening. And, you know, you'd approach them and say, you know, do you know this is happening? No. They're like, well, what's an SU officer? And you have to explain, and then I'm running for liberation. What's that? 
And so many students then will tell me, particularly medical students that I bumped into, that they feel so separate from the SU, that they have no involvement and no connection to it at all. They'll occasionally go to Pop-Tarts or Raw with their sports events, but you know they don't even really think that the SU represents them. Um, so I think that's something that could very easily be addressed in, you know, like it was a five-year plan to engage a whole other department, you know, and that's, that's it makes up a big chunk of the university students and medical students. So that's just one example. Very good. Um, Abigail? Um, yeah, so I've had similar conversations where I've like, said to course mates while I'm running, um, and I'm like, what are you running in? Um, and then I'll just show them like my TikToks and they'll love that, <laughs> but they won't actually get like the bigger picture. Um, so I think a lot of it is sort of, we need to work with the academic side of university um, to sort of promote student voice a lot more. Um, I think the I think the vice chancellor and the and you know, the university management are getting away with, are getting away with so many things um, because students just aren't sort of involved in it. They don't understand what's happening. Um, Sort of behind the closed doors of university management. Um, I think I'm quite privileged because I've got involved in university politics, I've been on student council, um, but if you don't actually tune into that, I don't think you sort of understand what's happening and it, of course it's not the student's fault, it's the, the university's fault for not promoting that and I think you have to think of the bigger picture of why then are they not promoting that, it's because they don't want students actively politically engaged challenging the university and challenging um, why liberation groups are being Sort of disproportionately affected um, by the, the decisions that they're making. Um, Rob? Yeah, I believe we need to go out to, Abby's mentioned it, the academic side. Um, in my course, there's a lot of welcome meetings and things. That's probably one of the first places, try and get to as many welcome meetings, things happening inside inside university rather than the SU to catch people who might not use the SU. The other thing would be to work with societies. Again, they've got their own catchment of people. They might they might go to their society, but they might miss out on other things. And finally, I think um, it has to be made aware before people come to university, which might be working with the university on their outreach programmes and things. But make sure people know that SU is, just be, is more than just parties and fun, and what support services offer, how it's run, things like that. Ruben? Yeah, I, I mean, I find the question quite interesting because uh, I didn't do my undergraduate at Sheffield. Um, and I actually found the SU in Sheffield far more engaging than my previous university. I don't know what it says about that one. Um, but yeah, I was very much going to just sort of show up, keep my head down, do my degree, and then like, not really engage, not really bother with uh, societies. I thought I'd have got, you know, gone past that part of my university life, my student life. Um, but, you know, I'm part of a community that has a space in the SU and it's just, sort of happened by osmosis that I ended up on committee and then I ended up running for this. But because I had access to that space, so again, not to copy off the others, but what Rob and Abby were saying was, you know, engaging with the more academic side, reaching out to the subject specific um, uh, societies, you know, everyone I think has one, you know, we've got career in STEM, which makes, makes sure that like LGBT voices in the STEM subjects get heard but we can reach out more to like the various subject societies, make sure they know what's going on in the union, make sure their voices are getting heard. Um, but yeah. Fair enough, brilliant answers all around. Um, you have mentioned this a couple of times already, but I just thought I'd dig into it a little bit. 
Um, nothing, it's nothing major. I'm just wondering, how did you find the debates? How, how were they for everyone? And we'll go with you again, Ruben. Um, yeah, so I went on a personal level. I was not having a great day that day, <laughs> safe otherwise. Um, but I think Forge, you know, the fact that we got the questions ahead of time was incre uh, improved accessibility. Um, the fact that the audience couldn't just throw a question out, there's positives and negatives to that. It means we're not as engaged with the audience, but it does mean that any potentially, um, you know, dog whistle questions that might come up, especially with liberation groups, um, were avoided. Uh, so yeah, I think on the whole, it was good. I know there were issues afterwards, uh, especially within the first, with the first night, misgendering people, getting pronouns wrong. Um, I understand that the, they're volunteers, everyone's volunteering their time, um, but that information is quite accessible and it could have been accessed beforehand. Um, but, and, and, and could have been avoidable, but yeah, on the whole, I think it went, it went quite well. I think I just rambled, but <laughs> that, that's, uh, that was on me, unfortunately. Abigail. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't go with notes. I don't know, looking back at it, if that would have benefited me more, but I just sort of wanted to, I don't know, I think I don't speak well from notes, but then I tend to ramble. Um, <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I think maybe it would have been nice to have questions from the audience, um, obviously time constraints. Um, and then, yeah, I just think obviously it's been addressed about the pronoun issue. Um, one thing that hasn't been addressed, um, that was about, I was going to, send an email um was the subtitle issues a few subtitles that subtitles that are off on the broadcast on the youtube obviously that's an accessibility issue um but again student volunteer led uh, it's people i understand that there was a few issues with the editing as well on the debate night too um yeah i think it's just a few tv problems but at the same time it's been a few years now since um i think maybe we missed last year sort of in-person debating because of covid um so yeah, I think it was really nice to just speak to all the candidates, actually be there in person, talking to actual people, um, sharing our manifesto ideas. And then, yeah, I think I think I've mentioned this on my Instagram, um, the fact that whoever's elected from us here, whoever's not here, um, I think there's been so many great ideas shared that whoever is elected will take on all our ideas and try and physically, humanly get them all shared out. Um, I just think I think it's been such a great year for liberation um, groups for all the sort of intersectionality that we represent just as a whole here. Um, yeah, I think it's been a great year, and I think the debates really showcase that. Grace. Yeah, it was quite nerve-wracking for me. I was quite anxious about it, but it's just because I really wanted to make sure that I got myself across clearly and confidently, and I wanted to do my manifesto justice because I've worked so hard on it. And it's such a short time frame to cram in your whole personality and everything that you stand for. Um, so I hope that came across, but I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them back. Um, so yeah, and there was also a slight issue where my name was spelt wrong um, because my surname is Cleary. So it auto corrects all the time to clearly, but just remember the choice is Cleary, not Clearly. <laughs> I can relate to that problem. I'm Callum with one L, so oh, I never yeah. I never get it spelled correctly. Um Rob. 
on a personal level, I was terrified and it probably came across, so probably wasn't very good. But apart from that, the debate's a brilliant idea, brilliantly executed. Um, all the Forge team were brilliant, so professional and that. I know there's been issues afterwards, but on the night, they were so helpful, so professional. It made it, put everyone at ease before they went on. Can I just add something there, Rob? Um, you yeah. just said you probably think you weren't very good. I had a friend come up to you and say that they really liked your manifesto points and that you came across really friendly and personable. So don't worry about that Thank at you. all. You're wonderful. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> I I mean, I was sitting at the very back and we were having a lot of technical difficulties. But when the thing started, you guys were all wonderful. So congratulations to all of you. I know it must have been super nerve wracking. But this is linked to my next question. Um, so you you've been through this process now and, you know, you've described what it's been like from your side of things. But has have you learned anything new? that you can pass on to next year's candidates you know and abby we'll start with you this time yeah i feel like i've learned so much just about liberation issues and um, obviously i don't represent every liberation group out there so i think just speaking to students and listening to other candidates i've learned so much on that that i'll just take for the rest of my life really and you don't consider things like grace's points about how accessible buildings are as someone who's able-bodied, you walk past buildings, you think, oh, when you're walking with ease, you don't think about everything else that might affect anyone else. So I think I, I won't take stuff like that for granted anymore. Um, I think Ruben's points about the trans fund is, I can't believe that we don't do it. We're the first, the best issue in the in the country. Um, why haven't we got something like that that's so simple to implement that would dramatically improve the lives of trans people? Um, yeah, I just think I've taken so much on. Um, tips for next year's candidates. I'd just say talk to as many students as you can. Um, I think social media is such a key um, tool in that as well for accessing liberation groups that aren't on campus. Um, get your TikTok skills up there. Um, <laughs> I think you, it, everyone makes so many TikToks and it's like a competition. Someone will upload one, then you're like, I need to do another one. That's such an idea. And um, so I think, yeah, get on the TikTok trends. Um, yeah, that'd be my uh, tips. <laughs> what about you, Grace? I'm really sorry, I've just had a momentary lapse. Could you repeat the question? <laughs> Don't worry, of course. <laughs> so you've uh, previously answered how this process has been for you, but is there anything specifically you've learned that you can pass on to next year's candidates? Yes, of course. Um, so I've kind of been running with the idea that, you know, a liberation officer, it, it, they really need to be able to have those difficult, uncomfortable conversations, challenging conversations to be able to make change within the SU. But in order to do that, you have to have those kind of uncomfortable conversations with people in those liberation groups so before I was a bit nervous about representing groups that you know I don't represent particularly BAME students and I found myself having conversations with um, the Arthur who's running for the BAME um, part-time officer you know and, and having to ask you know okay am I saying the right things you know talk to me educate me and you know having those conversations back about things that I'd normally be a bit too reserved to ask because I don't want to offend um, and I don't want to pry, but if you want to make a difference, you kind of have to open up to those conversations. And again, like Abigail said, things that you don't realise are happening. So I identify as mentally disabled, but physically disabled is something that I've not had to deal with. But 
one of my closest friends, you know, is um, a wheelchair user. And it's when you pointed out to me, it's the simple accessibility, like his day to day, he has to plan in his head where he's going. And I never wanted to ask, but once we started talking about it, he started opening up and telling me about accessibility on the campus. It just completely changed my view. And we've spent so much more time since I've been running, actually talking about you know, his disability and how it affects his, his movement just around campus and his attendance and lectures and things. And it has just completely changed my view on you know, being willing to have those conversations with people. And just, yes, start the conversation is the hardest thing, but it's so important. Fantastic. What about you, Ruben? Um, on, on a less serious note, I'd say do a crash course in Canva uh, <laughs> prior to your campaign starting. Don't just try and throw yourself into it like I did, um, not knowing what to do. Um, but on a more serious point, um, you know, pace yourself, make sure you, you know, you're taking time for yourself um, and your degree course. Don't let that, that fall by the wayside whilst you're uh, campaigning. Um, if you know even even if your campaign isn't particularly in person for whatever reason um you know it's still still a draining uh process mentally draining you are putting yourself out there to be judged you know to have the entire su look at your face and your ideas and who you are as a person um and that could be quite mentally tiring um and also you know reach out to the su they have a fund um, or at least they have this year for students who are disabled who can't necessarily do a lot of in-person campaigning um, use that don't do what I did and not use it um, and also try and get some people behind you you know uh, you can do it by yourself you can do it on your own um, I wouldn't recommend it having done that um, <laughs> you do feel like a like a one-person army so yeah just try and get as much support behind you make sure someone's there checking in with you your welfare your well-being yeah. And finally, what about you, Rob? I don't think there's much I can add to what everyone else has already said. <laughs> uh, Ruben and Gray's made some really good points. Um, so did the people as well, but it was most recent. Um, I think probably the biggest tip is don't be afraid to do it. I've been at university quite a few years now, and I've been on committees. I've tried to get involved in other things, but standing for candidates always, always seemed too scary, too difficult on that. Um, I was thinking it might be too competitive, too, but everyone is so nice. Um, all the other candidates, both in Liberation and the other candidates there, everyone's supporting you so nice. So I'd say don't be scared. Even if you're not sure, just go for it. If you don't get in this year, maybe have a chance next year. Otherwise, it's great experience for future career. And even by standing, you're making a difference. And raising issues are important to you and obviously important to a lot of the students. Thank you so much. All of your answers have been fantastic and i'm sure that it you know in the future whoever listens to this will have a lot of value to take from it um oh, Callum? yeah um so uh, you mentioned then that everyone's been a very nice this campaign and i'm not going to muddy the water a little bit uh, well i am a little bit sorry um how does your campaign stand out amongst the other candidates why you why this role in particular Abby. Oh no. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I, just, I just keep thinking of TikToks. Um, I'm not, not trying to brag, but I think I've got a good TikTok skill. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think stand out. I think I've run on the premise that my manifesto is realistic and achievable, and that's obviously I wrote the manifesto. I've not seen anyone else's yet. Um, but I think 
often in the past years, a lot of manifestos haven't achieved what they've set out to achieve. Um, I think keeping mine quite simple, um, sort of sort of no false promises to students. Um, truly believe that what I've put in there um, can be achieved. I'm really passionate about what's in there. Um, I think I represent, in the manifesto represents a lot of liberation groups by doing that as well, uh, by keeping it quite broad. Um, but yeah, I think my main selling point is my TikTok skills. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. We've, we've recently started the TikTok as well, although I don't think we're at the same level just yet, but hopefully one day. Ruben? Um, I agree with Abby. Her, her TikTok is... Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm too much, despite the baby face, I'm too much of an old man for TikTok, I think. I don't really understand it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to say a similar thing. I think my my manifesto policies are doable and achievable. I haven't tried to shoot for the moon. Um, this is my fifth year as a student, um, third university, been a home student and an international student. I know the limitations of the role and the limitations of the SU, um, and I've tried to be you know not to like restrict myself too much but to do something that I can actually promise something that I can actually deliver um and also I've, I've not tried to speak for a community that I don't identify as I know that you know I know my lived experiences I know how how they've shaped me I know how I can campaign for those but I recognize that you know I need to be proactive and listen to you know I don't identify as a woman, despite what some people might think. Um, and I don't, I'm not a BAME student either. So it's about listening to those people and then not expecting them to do all of the work um, to use my, if I'm elected, to use my position and power to make sure that their needs are being addressed. No, that's a very good answer. Um, Grace? Yeah, well, uh, like Ruben, I've been, a student at Sheffield, well, I've been at Sheffield for five years, um, but I've, I'm on my third year of my degree. So I've taken leave of absences, I've nearly dropped out and it's it's been a really difficult journey. And I've, I found it quite difficult listening to other people's campaigns when they're saying, you know, the SU needs to do this better, they need to do that better, you know, and kind of bashing the uni when realistically, I know they've done a lot for me. You know, the disability and dyslexia service have been fantastic for all its flaws. You know, they've kept me going. They've encouraged me to keep studying. And I know they've supported a lot of people. But being in that system for so long, I've got really unique insight of, you know, how good it is, but also what can be done better, what can change. And again, like Ruben, I'm quite open that I'm, I know I don't represent BAME students or mature students, although I guess I'm kind of technically a mature student. I'm not really sure. I've never really thought about it. Because I'm yeah five years I've been here, but um, yeah, talking to the the other part time officers would be so important. And I've had people you know say it's quite refreshing to say I'm open about what I'm not, um, as well as what I am. So yeah, and I, again, realistic and achievable manifesto. I think you know fixing the ramp can be done in three days. Like I said before, the university just need to get on with it. And I really think by running with that as like my key manifesto point that we can get it done as soon as possible. We just need to get the university to to really get going. Wonderful. Um, I agree about the ramp as well. I, I saw your video the other day. And, yeah. and it's it, silly, it, isn't it? It's, always yeah. a, it's offensive, to be honest. It's like, a bit embarrassing that the uni has let it go on this long. Yeah. Rob? 
Yeah, like like other people said, I've tried to be realistic. I don't want to promise things either I can't deliver or will never get delivered. Um, but I'm also realistic. Um, some of the things I want to do aren't going to be done by the time. If I was elected, they're not going to be done in the next year. But hopefully they'll be started in the next year. And um, people who follow on can take on them ideas, bring their own ideas in. Similar to what I'd want to do as well, I'd want to finish anything what was promised by previous liberation officers. And again, other people have mentioned talking about communities they don't belong to or they don't feel they belong to. As a white male, that's part of my campaign. I'm I'm older, I'm white, I'm male. I, I feel so distant from some of the other liberation groups. I don't want to talk for them. But I want to support them. I want to listen to them. And that's what I do if I was elected. I'd listen to everyone else from work. Not do the work on their behalf as long as they tell me what they want. I don't want to just talk for them because that's wrong. I want to like, work for them on their ideas, on my ideas, if they like them. Yeah, I, I do think I'm... The biggest difference in my campaign is probably me, but that might be a bad thing. That might be a good thing. I'm not sure yet. I, I, I don't think it would be a bad thing, Rob. Like, as as a mature student with a disability myself, it's it's nice to see representation as well. But that's across the board as well. Like, everyone has a voice, and I personally believe as long as everyone works together, we we can all succeed in what we want to do um but yeah following that question we're going to be a little bit different um you don't typically hear these questions when it comes to campaigning because campaigning is usually about being better than your candidate and you don't really want to say good things about them um but you're all very nice so i'm sure you've all got a list uh to go with um so my question is what's one thing you admire about your candidates your your competitors Apologies, we will start with Abby. Um, yeah, I think as um, students from liberation groups ourselves, I think I just admire sort of how we've managed to run campaigns under whatever issues we're facing ourselves. Um, and sort of just not letting that show, like Ruben said he had a bad day, I could not tell. I <laughs> got just shows strength of character in that. Um, yeah, I think that's what I admire the most. Um, and just how much, how many students we actually just represent between us. I think if we all, all got together and just discussed all the issues wrong with university, we could have like a solid <laughs> campaign, set of instructions for the university to just do and achieve. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Grace. Yeah, almost like Abby said, like just as representatives of liberation groups, there are a lot of barriers for us. And I think we've all worked so hard and done so well. And I've got particular respect for Ruben and how open you've been throughout this campaign and just our personal conversations it's been really lovely to get to know you and your story and yeah <laughs> yeah I mean just how unapolog unapologetically like loud and proud everyone's been of their various uh identities and their campaigns um and just how lovely everybody is you know this hasn't been a mudslinging um competition which I, I know actually elections can sometimes evolve into um but I mean we all um Abby actually had to go to work because they are working part-time and a student and doing a campaign which is just unfeasible to me um but uh, myself Grace and Rob stayed after the debate and, and chatted for a long time about um how it went just checking in with each other um our various uh policies our various ideas um 
and yeah it's just been very very lovely to meet everybody that was a very nice answer rob yeah i like to what other people said everyone just been so nice and friendly it's been such a pleasant contest and honestly i'm jealous of the other candidates they've got brilliant policies hopefully mine are brilliant too but they're so young so energetic they're so passionate about what they believe in i just wish i was like that when i was their age i was more <laughs> reserved when i was younger uh, they're just brilliant honestly they're brilliant whoever gets elected they're going to do a brilliant job and they've, they've got brilliant ideas as well whoever wins i was gonna say I've, from what i've seen across all your campaigns this week you've all done a smashing job like um it's i i'm surprised you have not done it before to be honest like it's it's been going very well like especially given the fact that we've had covid as well and we've not actually been able to do much um Andrea, do you have any questions? Yeah, I was going to go uh, for the next one uh, and, you know, and ask, there's been a lot of talks recently concerning drink spikings and night safety, um, you know, both within the SU and outside it. And I was wondering, how do you plan on keeping those new conversations going in the future for perhaps not only this specific topic, but other ones like, yeah, how do you plan on engaging these new conversations that may just randomly pop up? And I know that that's a, a bit of a shift in topic, but I was just wondering, and uh, let's start with Rob this time. I think there needs to be more awareness. Um, I've always seen you know about drinks bike and I see it on the telly and I'm not, don't go out so much. I don't see it or hear about it as much as I probably should do. Um, they raise awareness, especially between the older students, maybe, maybe international students who may not be so aware of things like this. Other topics will come up again. It's awareness. It's having dropping sessions, um, make it letting people's voices be heard in the SU. What current topics are, um, and just understanding as well. I was in a class recently, and we were talking about women's safety, and I didn't realise. Um, I was in I was in a group with several young girls. I didn't realise how afraid they still are. And it, it, today, it's um, the CCTV. There's everything. I know a lot of things have happened in that. But I didn't realise how unsafe they feel in that. So. The need, people need to be aware, especially university and that as well, how the students are feeling and that. And it's not just an SU issue. I think it's a university issue as well to make sure everyone feels safe from that. And after spiking, there's probably going to be something else what's a threat to safety. So everyone needs to pick up on that and be more responsive more quickly to that. Mm -hmm. And that's so important. Thank you. What about you, Grace? Sorry, you're on mute. Yeah, <laughs> just realized. Thank yeah. You. Um, it's it's really keeping vigilant with it. I, and I think in you know, contrary to what some people on the campaign have been saying, not liberation groups, they won't, but that you know the uni isn't doing enough for spiking. And realistically, RSU have been fantastic with it. Even last night, there are people with the little spikies in their drinks. The the staff are so well trained, they're so on it. But it's maintaining that pressure on the uni to keep that up for new staff that are coming in, keeping the training going, the CCTV working and bag checks. And but also when cases do start to go down, because, you know, we're working hard for it, they will start to go down. It's hopefully it's not an if they go down, it's a when, you know, we need to keep up that, that physical prevention, but then work towards the next steps of, you know, why is this happening? And it's not so much like just the culture, but it's, if it's happening in the foundry, we know it's students that are doing this, you know, and that's not something that we want to consider, but, you know, students are doing this to, to each other and it all comes down to consent. And there's been a lot of talks about before about workshops on consent, you know, sexual harassment and abuse. 
and spiking goes hand in hand with that because it's you know it's doing something to your body that you don't want done and I think groups who have a history of those allegations particularly certain sports societies um, might need particular education um, and mandatory workshops which is only the beginning because a whole other conversation needs to be had about this. Very well uh, what about you Abby? Um, yeah I mean at the university the issue you've done um, a considerable amount compared to other businesses within the city uh, but they could still go further um, I think staff have had good training but they need more training uh, training on accessibility issues as well um, uh, but yeah regarding spiking um, I think the SU needs to actively shame businesses um, that aren't taking their customers safety seriously um, I think it's been mentioned in other campaigns that that is a thing that people want to see, um, especially with freshers. They, it's a new city. They don't know what where they should put their money, where, where's safe for them. So I think we need a, a rating system of where is actually safe and where isn't. Um, I think it's lost a bit of momentum over the past few months, um, but it's still a concern for a lot of people. It's still a concern for myself when I go out. Um, so I think we just need to keep um, campaigns going, keep the conversations going. Um, we need more support for victims within the SU, um, support if they want to go to the police or if they don't. Um, yeah, I think with emerging conversations as well, I think it's just about keeping the momentum going, keeping the conversation going, having a safe space where students can talk about concerns and worries, um, just to keep those conversations and campaigns going. Very well. And what about you, Ruben? So in terms of uh, spiking specifically, they've... Uh, we've got the Not On My Campus campaign. Um, I know they've asked all of the SU candidates to uh, pledge their support for that. I only saw this yesterday, so I was a bit late. Um, but they're on Instagram. They've got four pledges. And it's all about like lobbying the Vice-Chancellor and the university to increase safety um, against gender-based violence, both on campus and in the city more broadly. Um, I, I know we are doing you know a fair deal and they've got the, the, the Ask Angela um, system, but you have, you know, you, you go and they've got the sign up on the wall and you say it and they just look at you like, well, what are you talking about? So just improving awareness of, of businesses' own systems and own like their own setup. Um, and I know like there's a lot of turnover with staff, especially at the moment because of COVID, but just making sure they're aware. And then more broadly in terms of issues losing momentum, like Abby was talking about. You know, we live in a 24-hour news cycle when the headlines about spiking by injection sort of came, I think it was October, I believe. You know, it was this big thing, everybody's talking about it, and now we're sitting here in March and it's not, you know, no, no one is talking about it anymore. And unfortunately, that happens a lot. We saw it with, you know, the Sarah Everand um, murder and that that case, you know, it was such an outcry um, and the Mets response to that was met with such an outcry and now we're two years later time's a little fuzzy for me at the moment um and we just we just moved on from it so it's just about maintaining that awareness not letting the momentum and making sure we're, we're loud about it making sure we're fighting for it um yeah yeah thank you uh callum are you going to ask the next question or can i go ahead and ask another one no go if you've got another question. 
Malumbo. Yeah, my next my next question was going to be what gets everyone uh motivated to get out of bed in the morning? And I know this is another, you know, 180 degree shift, but I was, you know, we asked this question on, on our last um panel and we got some wonderful responses and some very deep and meaningful responses. So I was wondering, you know, starting again with Rob, what gets you motivated to get out of bed in the morning? It's just the opportunity to achieve. I've spent so long when I was younger, hiding away from the world and that. Um, so just being able to be out and getting getting a good education, helping other people where I can, that's just enough motivation for me at the moment. Um, it was difficult in COVID because I went backwards again because it was, but now university is back open again. It's just so good just being out there and whether it's learn, whether it's learning, whether it's campaigning at the moment, whether it's going to be job searching soon, it's whatever. It's just good motivation to get out of bed. And if I didn't, then I would just be at home all the time again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Grace? I don't know. That was quite a difficult question for me to think about because, you know, running for liberation, I won't lie, I often can't get out of bed. Um, you know, suffering with depression is quite difficult. And a lot of the times you're not motivated to do anything, like exist, let alone achieve anything. But you know, when I found out that no one was running for liberation officer and, you know, and it was something that would help people like me, I kind of realised something's got to be done there. And if no one else is going to do it, and I didn't know you guys were running at the time, but, you know, I thought I've got to try. And then when I started thinking about it and thinking about this campaign and what I could actually do, and I got so excited by it. And I was I, that has, I've, I've been up before eight every morning this week. It's been amazing. Um, and yeah, just the, the sheer excitement of the potential of what I might be able to do to help people in RSU become you know, the best it can be for people like me and people in other liberation groups and beyond. And also I have to get up to feed my hamster. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> can we see a sneak peek of your hamster later on? You don't mind? <laughs> What's their name? His name is Quarantini because we bought him in that <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. For I can try and get him out, but he is nocturnal, unfortunately, so he might not be very happy about it. But if oh, you look at my enough. Instagram pages, he has this grumpy little face when he was helping me um, rehearse for the debates. And I told him all about the Hicks ramp being too steep, and he has a really grumpy little face on him. So uh-huh. he's so upset there's plenty about of pictures it. of him. Of course. He is very upset, of course. A very big issue. <laughs> yes. What about you, Ruben? Um, I'd like I'd like to like make some profound statement that it's you know like hope you know me raging against the world or me like fighting for something. But in terms of like an actual tool that helps me get out of bed, um, because I am very much in need of one. Um, it's it's music, music. You know, a couple of songs of of the certain like of, of the right kind, the right tempo. Um, yeah, it definitely gets my ass out of bed in the morning when I do not want to get up, but I do not want to do my seminar work. Um, you know, it, it, is a, it is a struggle when, you know, mental health, um, disability, sometimes you just want to lie in bed and keep the curtains shut and not, you know, not face the world. But yeah, music is the one thing for me that kind of cuts through all that. Of course. And can you give us a little sneak peek of what kind of genres get you out of bed? Um, yeah, so my probably my go-to is um, well well named uh, a song called "Wake Up" by Arcade Fire. It's a big, okay. big ridiculous song. Uh, 
Wake up. Hold on. <laughs> I need to take note of that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do not set it as your alarm. I made that mistake once. Okay. Ruined you. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, enough, I don't know. You always end up hating the song. Yeah, this loud crashing noise to wake you up. Don't do it. It's not, it's not pleasant. <laughs> okay, I'll take note of that. What about you, Abby? Um, I think for me, it's just like the ability to be able to get up. Um, I've got a thyroid issue, underactive thyroid. Um, don't define it with a disability because it doesn't affect me day to day now I'm on medication. Um, but I know that I'm very privileged to be on medication, have a controlled um, health issue. Um health condition so I think just being able to get out of bed when I couldn't a few years ago um without feeling really fatigued at the end of the day really just motivates me um there is days where I struggle I think third year is such a difficult year got so many deadlines thrown at you your dissertation is just all on you um but I think like others this week's really helped because I think it's been a lot of full-on um but I think I've just been so motivated to make change speak to students um and I, I feel like I I, I cope more when I've got more pressures on I think because I think it's just you can't have time to just not do anything <laughs> um so yeah I think for me personally my drive is sort of being having a full-on schedule I mean I work part-time which is turning into like full-time at the moment it's not good um campaigning this week and then uni work I think not really having a choice at the moment is my motivation <laughs> to go on yeah fair enough thank you all so much Callum, any next questions? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I can't remember if we've asked this or not. I'm not too sure. But what's your favourite thing about Sheffield in general? And before you answer that, have I asked that? No. Brilliant. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> we'll go with Rob. Rob. Um, I like the green space. It's what, it's what Sheffield's quite famous for. And I do like it. The parks are amazing. There's so many parks. And they start putting little parks in the city centre and things as well more near um, Hallam University, I think, than our university. But it just makes it good. It's not as hectic as Leeds or Manchester. Um, that can be a bad thing sometimes for some things, but otherwise it's a nice, quiet city. Unfortunately, the pandemic's made it too quiet at the moment. It's just like deserted. Some parts of Sheffield like deserted in the middle of the day. But, yeah, I like it because it's not a, loud, a big, loud city. Oh, fair enough. Although, although I I will disagree with you about Manchester, but I am <laughs> rather biased to you from Manchester, uh, Ruben. Um, yeah, the green spaces as well. I'm I've not had much of a chance to uh, to get out and about as much as I would have liked to because of uh, disabled post grad life is uh, uh, a bit limiting on that one. But yeah, just how how much space there is, and also. Um, like I went out to the botanical gardens with uh, my sister and brother-in-law brother -in -law after um, an unfortunate family tragedy. And it was just very nice to be there after, you know, after all of that. Um, and just the people as well. Like we talk about the North-South divide, but, um, you know, just how lovely everybody is. Um, I know it's a stereotype, but it is genuinely true. Um, just how warm and, and inviting everybody is on the whole. We, we are lovely up the north. Just, yeah, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> Abby? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm quite biased because I'm from Sheffield. <laughs> lived in Sheffield all my life. <laughs> so I could like write an essay on why I like Sheffield. Um, but yeah, I just like how it's a big city, but it doesn't feel too big. I feel like I always walk past someone that I know 
when I'm out and about. Um, even if you're not on campus, I'll just see someone that I've been to school with. It's, it's a bit weird. Um, I, I, yeah, everyone sort of knows everyone. Um, yeah, it's, overall, it feels quite safe. Uh, obviously, it's got its issues. Um, but yeah, on nights out, overall, I feel quite safe. I've been on nights out in other cities and you don't feel as safe. Um, I think everyone's just so friendly. Like, it's the cliche girls' bathroom uh, on a night out. But like, I feel like that's the epitome of like a Yorkshire, <laughs> Yorkshire friendliness is in that moment. Um, everyone's just sort of feels like everyone's sort of for each other, um, very supportive. And the green space as well. I've not been in the peaks for a while because of the uni work, but yeah, I just can't wait to finish uni and start walking again and yeah, exploring the green space more. Wonderful. Grace? Yeah, that north south divide is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe it at first. I thought, ah, oh, there's no way people will be that different. But you get on the bus here, you've got old ladies chatting to you left, right, and centre. It's fantastic. And I go back home and I have to get the tube back to, to go up, back up to Essex. People will just be looking at phones, won't talk to you, won't look at you. You ask for directions, people will just pull a face at you. But also the sheer amount of squirrels in this city. Oh my God, I get so excited. I run down to the botanical gardens with like a bag full of peanuts and I'll be chasing them around trees trying to feed them. It's what I love it. It's such a peaceful, happy place to be. And it's really become my home over the last few years. And I don't think I ever want to leave. The North or Sheffield? Sheffield in general. Yeah. yeah. Well, the North is wonderful, but I've not really gone outside of Sheffield much because why would I? It's got everything. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a very good answer. Fair enough. <laughs> um, right. We'll wrap up very shortly. Uh, however, um, Isabel, do you have uh, some quick fire questions you would like to ask? Yeah, I'll just do two quick fire questions then. Um, Firstly, we'll start with, would you say you're a dog or a cat person? And we'll start with Rob. Um, a cat. I had a dog when I was younger, but I had cats afterwards. And yeah, the people say they're not loyal, but they, they are loyal if you get the right cat. Okay. Um, Ruben? Next. Uh, dog, just because we've not been allowed to have a cat yet. <laughs> yeah, dog. Grace? Oh, I love all animals. I'm a bit of a mad rodent woman at the moment with my hamster. <laughs> but we've got a cat at my family house and we've got the cat trying to get the hamster and it's just a whole menagerie. But if I had to pick between cat and dog, at the moment I'll say cat because Loki's got a little moustache and he's a very cute little boy. <laughs> That's a and fantastic then... name for a cat. Sorry for interjecting that. <laughs> it's fine. Lastly, Abigail. Um, well, I'm kind of split. I've got a dog at the moment. She's really nice. She's more like an old lady than a dog, though. She's just she's more. Yeah. She got more old lady tendencies than dog tendencies. Um, but I really like cats, especially street cats, like the friendly ones that will come up to you at a bus stop, and you just want to like take them with you. But I've got one. I call him Puss in Boots because he's ginger. Um, but he just comes into my house sometimes and I just feed him a bit. But I probably yeah, encouraged it. But yeah, I'm split. Maybe more dog than cat. <laughs> Isabel, since you're honorary running at this point, what about yourself? <laughs> um, I'm a dog person. I've got both dog and cats, but definitely a dog person. He, my dog's way more engaged with the family than my cats. But at uni, um, you know Harold the Enclosed Cat? Um, I recently he, found out about this, yeah. He, he's, he's been around like five, six times this year. Um, he's great. So at uni, a cat person, at home, a dog person, <laughs> if that's allowed. Yeah. yeah. Andrea, yourself. 
Oh, me? Do I get to answer as well? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll all answer these ones. Why not? Fair enough. I think I'm going to have to go for a, a, a cat person just because, I mean, growing up, my neighbor had like six or seven and they would always come over into like my room or my living room and just out of nowhere randomly. So I suppose we didn't have cats, but we did. <laughs> So I'm going to go for a cat person, yeah. What about you, Callum? Um, so I, once again, also have both, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm more of a dog person. I've got a, a miniature Dachshund uh, named Pippa. Uh, she's, once again, just like a little old woman. She's fantastic. I love her. Um, but yeah, Isabel, your second question? Um, okay. I'm personally quite curious about this. Where would you say your favourite place is to eat in the SU? Because obviously there's so many options. So starting with Grace, maybe, if you had to choose somewhere to get lunch from. Oh, if I had to pick very quickly, the pasty shop is a solid go-to. I spent most of my first year break between lectures covered in crumbs. <laughs> you got the, the cleaners with the hoovers there all the time, but it, it is a banging shop pretty good and they've got loads of vegan options now which yeah can't go wrong um abigail next please oh it's so hard first year i didn't really enter into this year i don't know why and then second year covid yeah i've just been fully trying everything i think i'm panicking thinking i'm not going to be here next year if i don't get this i'm gonna have to eat everything um but yeah i think i really like um what's it called the where you get the burritos forgetting all the names i really like that but i think when i'm in a rush the SU shop is just my go-to. It's cheap. Like the chocolate bars are so cheap. Um, but yeah, I got like a pasty thing the other day. But I don't think I'll ever get one again in the SU. I've got like I got shamed by a cleaner. I was sat there eating it. Crumbs were going everywhere, and he just came over with a Hoover and started hoovering. And I was still eating, and I was like, never again. I warned all the group chat. I was like, don't eat a pastry in the SU because you will get hoovered. It, it was tragic. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I know which guy you're talking about. Uh, Reuben, where's your favourite place to? Uh, not to steal off, not to steal off Grace, but uh, I'm I am from Devon. I am from the West Country. Um, for my sins, uh, it's it's the pasty shop. I think pasty shop and um, bubble tea next to it. Um, that's that's always a good lunch. Um, also, they gave me a free pasty on Friday because it was quite late in the day, so <laughs> I ordered one thing and they gave me another. So big up to them. Never that. complain about free pasty, can you? <laughs> And then, Rob, please. I feel like I use a shop a lot. I get snacks and that more. But if it is a meal, it has to be intervals. I think that's classed as the issue, isn't it? It's it's just nice. And I don't know if it's licensed as well, so that always helps. Although I don't drink too much cream, like just that. But yeah, it's nice in there. Yeah. What about you, Isabel? Um, grill and go. Definitely grill and go. It's lovely. Or New Leaf. They're both next to each other but grill and go every week. What about you? My answer is going to be the most boring because with all the lockdowns, I've not actually bought anything except like two sandwiches and like a wrap from the uh, shop thing. And I don't know. That, I mean, I've always been interested in trying everything out, but I guess, yeah, never got around to it. Yeah. What about you, Callum? So um, similar to yourself, I'm not really bought anything from anywhere other than the shop however i do have an answer and it is new leaf i believe and that's because uh, our head of news fred works there 
<laughs> I agree. Love. New Leaf is fantastic. I love it there. <laughs> Big up New Leaf. <laughs> right. Um, well, I think that I think this is a good uh, place to end it. Um, thank you very much for everyone joining us today. I am so sorry for all the issues we had at the beginning. Thank you very much for your patience. It's been a wonderful chat and best of luck to all of you for next week. Like, yeah, you're all wonderful people. <laughs> Any one yeah. of you would be a great representation for us. And to add on to that, one thing I've noticed is that whenever we would ask a question and someone was speaking, everyone else would just be nodding, which just, I don't know, just shows to me that there's such a, you know, understanding and like a want to work for the better. And, you know, I, I whoever, you know, comes out winning, I'm sure that you've, you've learned all so much through this process. And I look forward to, you know, seeing what you do with it next. So, you know, voting does open on Monday, tomorrow, 7 a.m. Good luck to everyone. But for today, thank you so much for joining. Elections on Forge. Know your votes.